0: words that um, for Sam Pobri is a really important word. It's a a word called rhythm. Rhythm. Sam has been dishing out the rhythm all morning this morning. I don't know about you, but rhythm for me has been an important word in my life uh, because I've been trained in music. Um, But rhythm is a word that is built inherently into the whole of creation. Everything has a rhythm to it. The very definition of rhythm is this. A strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. The systematic arrangement of musical sounds, principally according to duration or periodical stress, or a regular recurring sequence of events or processes. Everything has a rhythm. For the last uh, few days, we've been in South Wales on a holiday, and I was thinking every time we went into the sea that the tide has a rhythm to it. The planets have a rhythm. The Earth has a, ris- a rhythm as it revolves on its axis. Your body has a rhythm to it. Well, I'm hoping it does. <laughs> your breathing now, your breathing has a particular rhythm to it. Your heartbeat has a particular rhythm to it. For those of you who are healthy, your heart is now beating between 60 and 100 beats a minute. If you're very active you're m- and um, an athlete, you're... Rhythm of your heart might be slower than that. But for many of you, if it's faster than that, go and see a doctor. All right? And uh, everything has a rhythm. Today, I want to show you that Jesus models to us I believe a rhythm of life that if we can understand it and if we can begin to adopt it into our way of working, actually everything begins to make sense. Today, I want to take you to Luke chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to open uh, your Bibles to that chapter. For many of you, you'll understand and know the Gospels. Um, This part of the Bible is where Jesus is alive. He is uh, walking the earth. And at this part in this, what we call the gospel, the good news account of Jesus, he is just about to choose his disciples. And he takes a night away with his father. He goes away to pray for a night. And he then comes down the mountain and he chooses those that he's going to spend his time in the next three or so years with. This is Luke chapter 6. And we're going to start reading at verse 12. We're going to read for uh, seven verses or so. It'll come up on the screen. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. And then he names those 12 people there. So we have on to verse 17. He went down with them, and he stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem. And from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, those troubled by impure spirits were cured. And all the people, and other people, all tried to touch him because power was coming from him, and healing them all. In this passage today, I want to draw your attention to what I think are three rhythms that Jesus models, that if you and I can understand them and begin to adopt them into our lives, actually, I think the rhythm of our lives begins to make way more sense. The first rhythm is this. If you're writing anything down, write these three headlines down. The first rhythm is this, the rhythm of communion. The rhythm of communion. Now, for many of us, we understand the word communion to mean that meal that we share together. Uh, Often we do that once a month here at Alive. For some of you, you'll do that in families. But communion really means this. And this is the derivative of the word. The com part of communion means with or together. So it's something we do united. And the union is the act of joining one thing to another. So this real sense that actually communion is about coming together, joining together. So let's see Jesus in action, communing, and he communes with his father, says this in verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. I don't know if you've ever spent the night in prayer. I remember a, a couple of years ago, we were praying for somebody in our Lincoln location, In the last months of a battle against cancer, and during that period of time of prayer, uh, there was a 24-hour prayer chain that was set up, and people would opt to pray at certain points throughout the day and throughout the night. I remember uh, taking some of the 3 a.m. slots, not having done that sort of thing before, thinking, will this be difficult Or will this be a joy and an ease? And I found over time that a rhythm began to develop. That For an hour in the middle of the night to wake and pray actually was a significant breakthrough. Not only for the prayer for that person, but actually in my own prayer life as well. That there was a rhythm in the middle of the night that was praying. And this is what Jesus models to us here. He models something unique and um, very different from perhaps how you and I in our culture pray. He goes away for the whole night And he prays with his father. So for Jews of the time, um, there would be, dotted around the countryside, places of prayer. There would be places they'd go to. They'd either be by the side of a river or on the side of a mountain. There would be little um, shacks or huts, often without a roof on them. So they have a sense of direct access to Father God. And they would be places of solitude and prayer. And Jesus here could well have gone away to one of those and spent the night in prayer with his father but the language around this really means an extraordinary devotion to God so he spends the night in extraordinary devotion this sense that actually he's gone with purpose to spend an evening in communion with his father just this sense of spending a night alone with father God now I think he does it for purpose And I think we see in a few minutes' time in our story the revelation of that purpose. I think he actually goes away to uh, chat and converse with his dad regarding who is he going to invest in for his 12 closest friends. Who's he going to give his time and attention to? And I think there's probably some wrestling and some conversation taking place. Maybe there's a conversation taking place about Judas. Maybe there's a conversation about having seen what's going to take place in the future. Do I invest in this man? Do I walk the journey with him? God, uh, help me unpack this in prayer. But I want to show you that if Jesus models a life of communion, how much more so should you and I understand what it is to commune with the Father? Spend time with him. Now, I'm not advocating that from tonight, every single one of us spends the whole night in prayer. You need your sleep. But I am advocating that every single one of us needs to understand that our rhythms of life begin at every part with a rhythm of communion with the Father. If we're starting from a different starting point, our starting point is wrong. Jesus started everything out of relationship with the Father. It all began from that place. It didn't begin from having to do a job or a need being met. It started from a place of communion. And for you and I, that's the rhythm of our starting points. For me, a rhythm of communion starts from two places. It starts understanding what I would call pulse, and it starts understanding what I would call rest. Now, as a musician, when I was a child, I went to piano lessons, and on the um, lid of the piano, uh, my piano tutor had one of these. I don't know if any of you know what one of these is. This is called a metronome. And a metronome is a device that gives you a rhythm, or a pulse Um, in the first couple of songs today the band were listening to a digital metronome playing from a laptop down here and they were playing along to a track and that was playing in their ears and it was just a pulse that's going backwards and forwards so let's have a listen to this one so this metronome is set I think to 80 beats a minute so that's just a little bit quicker than your watch would be ticking for those of you have got analog watches. And this metronomic beat won't change until it runs out. It'll just create a pulse. It's an ongoing, regular rhythm in music or in life. And there are some things for you and I that can become pulses in our lives that can really help us develop a rhythm of communion with the Father. For me... Being in Scripture and reading the Bible on a regular basis is a pulse in my life that becomes something that I can build a rhythm upon. Prayer is the same. For me personally, song worship is part of the pulse of my rhythm of communion with the Father. For some of you, it will be different. You'll have different pulse points. There'll be things that are regular for you that become a rhythm of communion with the Father. For some of you, it's exercise. For some of you, it's working. For some of you, it is art. For some of you, it is other areas that God has uniquely made you to be. But find and discover the pulse that you have that will enable you to have a rhythm of communion with the Father. It won't look like mine, but it will look like unique things for you. And then accompanying pulse, accompanying this kind of metronomic rhythm in our lives and developing that, I would say there is a rhythm of communion that looks like pulse and rest. Now, as I um, look at this, let me throw a massive caveat over this whole section. This is an area I am really being challenged and trying to learn on. It's not an area that I am in any way an expert. So all of this, as I talk this out, is an area that I am interpreting and taking on myself. But what is it to rest in God? What does it look like to be people at rest in communion with the Father? What does it look like to work from a place of rest? What does it look like to be people of rest? Well, as part of learning music as well, you obviously have to learn the black dots and things that look on a stave. If any of you remember back to your GCSEs or CSEs or O-level music, those kind of things uh, fill you with dread unless you're a musician. Um, This here isn't the notes. This is um, an uh, an example of rests. Rests in music are places of breath. They're places to breathe. They're places to pause and stop. I played trombone in an orchestra for years and brass bands and those sort of things. And often I would have more rests than notes to play, which as a pianist isn't often what you have to play. You play a lot of notes as a pianist, but as a trombonist, you've got a lot of rest time as well. So here on the left-hand side, we've got what we call crotchet rests. Um, and those are one-beat rests. So those moments of time are just an opportunity to breathe in the middle of a phrase. Rests give a musical phrase its shape. They allow it to have breath and then life. Breath and life. Then going on to uh, the end, on the right-hand side, we've got what we call um, semi-breathe rests and minim rests in there as well. They're slightly longer rests. They're periods of time of... Breathing for more than just a snap breath. In life, God has designed that you and I have rest built into the rhythm of communion with him. He's actually given a word to it. It's called Sabbath. Sabbath is a word that means rest. God rested in creation. For you and I, it's an opportunity to rest in the rhythm of our communion with him. For me, a musical minim or a musical semi rest is a Sabbath. This year, as I say, I'm learning all of this. This year, I wrote into my diary a Saturday, and I've just put the word Sabbath in on that day. I'm now trying to fiercely guard not doing other things on that day, which is often quite difficult in the job that I'm in, because there's many things that take place on weekends. But... I've found that the rhythm has begun to improve my rhythm of communion when I've put not only daily communions in with Father, but also a weekly rhythm of communion with him. And for some of you, let's just throw the next slide up, please, Matthew. Um, For some of you um, who study music, And if you were a trombonist or a flautist or something like that, you'll notice that you perhaps have periods of time which were six bars of rest. So much longer periods of rest in the middle of it. If you're in education, you're in the middle of a six bars rest at this moment of time. It's called your six-week summer holiday. And um, holidays and rest periods with God, opportunities to get that balance of pulse or work and rest, is how God has designed you to work. He's not designed you to be... The workaholic who gets everything out of work is designed you to be a person of a rhythm of communion that understands that communion looks like daily rest, weekly rest, and at times, period of elongated rest as well. So this marriage of pulse and rest, When when Jesus went to be with the Father that night, yes, he prayed, yes, he talked, but he actually started from a place of rest. He started from a place of communing with the Father. The beginning of this year, I um, started to study this and do a little bit of work around it. And I found a couple of uh, biblical passages that were really helpful. Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 31 says this. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That was Jesus talking to his disciples. If he's saying that to his 12 closest followers, how much more so for you and I as he's speaking that into our lives? Come with me to a quiet place and get some rest. That's what God says to you. Jesus says that to us. You know, we're an active church, but at the heart of an active, uh, an active or activity should be rest. In a few minutes, I'll come to the other passage that has been really helpful to me as I've studied this. At the beginning of the year, I used three questions. I started to ask myself three questions around this whole area of rest and this communion with the Father. There were these things. What do I currently do that nurtures my spirit? What people, places, and activities do I need to avoid because they deplete me? And what have-tos impact my rhythm in the season of my life? There are certain things in all seasons of life that you have to do that will impact your rhythm. For some of you, you have elderly relatives that need care. That impacts the rhythm of your life. For some of you, you have young children. That impacts the season and the rhythm of your life. But in every season, Seek out those moments of opportunity to be nurtured, your spirit being nurtured, because that is how God has designed you. For me, music and exercise have been two key areas where the nurturing of God, of my spirit, by him, I've discovered and found that. For you, it will look different. As I say, for some of you, it will be art. For some of you, it will be maths. I don't know why, but it will. For some of you, it will be science. In those areas, it will be areas that God has designed you to be nurtured in discover those and make time for those in the rhythm of your life. If you want to take a picture of the next slide, um, because this is, if you, uh, it can be helpful to you in any way, but this is how I've begun to develop this uh, to an area that's called a rule of life. So four areas in my life that I've decided I want to give time and attention to get some balance in to get this rhythm of communion. My ones are up there, um, just for you to kind of peruse. But in these four areas... Prayer, rest, relationships, and work. Trying to get a balance because I understand if I can get a balance in those areas, I can receive the love of God and I can also give the love of God more effectively. So if I'm burnt out in one of those areas, I know that the other three areas of there will be lessened. But if I can get a balance across those, understanding that I'm best when those four areas are working together then I know my life is a place where I can receive the love of God easily and give the love of God easily. Something, as I say, I'm discovering. And one of the scriptures that, for many of you, you'll know this. It's a message translation of the Bible, but it comes from Matthew chapter 11. And again, one of these great passages on rest, it says this, Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Leave the unforced—sorry, uh, Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I think that's what Jesus models at the first part of this Luke chapter 6. A model of living freely and lightly where he has a rhythm of communion. But the beauty of this passage is I don't believe Jesus leaves it there. I don't believe we're designed solely for that rhythm of communion. Our starting point is a rhythm of communion with the Father. But actually, we then transition to the next rhythm, which I would liken to a rhythm of community. A rhythm of community. The word community means this. Again, the com part at the beginning means with or together. And then after that, the unity, very similar, of course, to union, of the state or property of being one. A body of people brought together with a common purpose. Here's the context. This is what Jesus reveals to us. Verse 13. When morning came, Jesus called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. So let's just understand the context here. Jesus has a number of disciples, uh, way bigger than 12. He's had a whole group of people that are with him. But he comes down the mountain after having spent a night in prayer with the Father, and he designates 12 of those to say, I'm going to apprentice you. You're going to come alongside me because so much depends on you for the future, for the history, uh, for the legacy of all that I have. Everything depends on my investment into you. I'm eternally thankful, I think, to the disciples because you and I are sat here today because Jesus invested in 12 people and they carried that message forward. You and I are the legacy of that. You and I have the duty then to carry that forward and keep that uh, wonderful story of Christ going forward into the generations. But we stand here because of 12 men who learned from Jesus, did what Jesus taught them, taught them to do and carried that on once Jesus went back. To heaven. And he had a rhythm of community. The beauty of what Jesus models to us here is he communes with the Father and then he comes down the mountain and he forms community. He forms a body of people with a common, united purpose. He had this big decision to make all about his disciples and then he acted upon it that, um, that morning. So why did Jesus form community? If he's the Son of God, If he was completely divine in his entirety of who he was, did he really need his friends to be around him? Well, I would argue that he really did. Let's go forward a little bit in our story to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, in that Passion Week story, the nights before his betrayal, Jesus calls to him his closest friends, his three closest friends. And he calls them because he had a need, a need for his friends to pray. A need for his friends to stand with him. A need for his friends to comfort him and be alongside him. The Bible is really clear that you and I need each other. You and I are not designed to be islands on our own. You and I are designed to be in community together. That's what I love about Alive. In that we get this sense that we are a community in our location but we're also communities in our connect groups and our smaller group settings, the teams that we're in. We are communing together. We are a community united around common purpose. Can I say to you, if you are um, investigating alive, if you're checking us out, if you're coming along and you're in the first few weeks of being here, can I say, give enough time to understand what our rhythm of community looks like. Give enough time to don't just get the snapshot of what it looks like on a Sunday, but get a snapshot of what the rhythm of this community looks like. Because every community has a rhythm to it. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but for those of you who love football, your community of football is about to start its new rhythm again for this next season. If you are a Lincoln City fan, it started yesterday, didn't it, with a 2-0 win, I think it was. If you're a Premier League fan, it starts at the end of this week. If you're a cricket fan, a new rhythm has started over the last week in the ashes, hasn't it? This sense of the community around that has a rhythm to it. If you're in education, your school has a rhythm to it. You're in a rhythm of rest at the moment, but come September, your rhythm is going to hit full throttle again, isn't it? Up until Christmas. And then it runs hard up until Easter. And then you get exam period and then it begins to slacken off again for summer. Every community has a rhythm, and Alive has a rhythm to it. You've discovered, for many of you, that rhythm. We have a rhythm of Sundays. We have a rhythm of connect groups each week. We have a rhythm throughout the year, really adhering to the Christian calendar. Rhythm of Christmas, a rhythm of Easter, a rhythm of baptisms and uh, dedications. We have a rhythm of Pentecost. There are multiple moments in our year that have a rhythm to it. And as I say, If you are exploring alive, get to know our rhythm because our rhythm is actually what we've discovered as a body that works for us. Don't just take a snapshot, but understand our rhythm. Jesus models to us this living together, this communing in community together. I love that phrase. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. So the following morning after prayer, he calls to him community. And then our final rhythm that he models to us is the rhythm of commission, the rhythm of commission. So we have the rhythm of communion, the rhythm of community, and then the rhythm of commission. The word commission, again, means with or together, the compart and then mission. I love this. To release or let go, to send or to throw. The beauty of what Jesus models to us is that we commune with the Father, then we spend time together in community, but it's all for a greater purpose than that. You see, we're not designed solely to be people who just live in this community together, to commune or to be in a commune together. We are are designed to be people on mission together or we, Rachel referenced it a minute ago in prayer, we're designed as people to be on the great commission together, out making disciples of others. That is the commission that we are on. So the context, how do we see this Jesus working this out? So it starts in verse 17. Jesus went down with them and he stood on a level place. In a minute, you'll see that most of what happens next looks like Jesus doing this on, him, on his own. But just catch the beauty of that um, verse together for a moment. He went down with them and stood on a level place. Jesus chose his 12, and from there onwards, he did everything in that community together. Everything he did, he modeled to the community and worked it out together. They stood on a level level place. A A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people, and then from a whole variety of places was with him. And they'd come to hear him. So they would come to be taught, and they'd come to be healed of their diseases. So Jesus' um, fame had gone before them. They'd come to be taught by him to be healed of their diseases, and this is what happened. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. You see, Jesus, after a night of prayer, through sleep, deprivation was probably uh, deprived of sleep, But his greatest thing that he did was he just went and said, I'm here for the people. I'm here to heal. I'm here to teach. I'm here to develop. I'm here to uh, pastor them. I'm here to shepherd them and to lead them. Don't you love Jesus? He was just um, about the people at this moment of time. He'd chosen his friends. He'd chosen those he's going to live his life with. And from that point, he went out and healed. He went out and blessed. He went out and taught. And you and I have... Uh, To understand that if Jesus models to a a rhythm of commission, how much more so should you and I have that rhythm? So if he has a rhythm of commission or mission, uh, to shorten it down, so should you and I. Mike Breen, who is an author who really talks about this discipleship culture, talks about the local church being a family on mission together or a community on mission together. You and I are designed to be that body of people. We're not designed to solely live in community. We're designed to be on mission together. We're a community engaged in the missio dei of God, the mission of God. You see, God is already on mission. He already is out working his mission into the earth. You and I have a wonderful opportunity to be engaged in that. And of course, our commissional mandate is described in Matthew 28. We understand it as this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me or to us now. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And of course, here at Alive, we describe this rhythm really as knowing, growing, going. Three rhythms. The rhythm of knowing God or communing with the Father. The, three, uh, the rhythm of growing together in community and the rhythm of going in mission together. And every single one of us has our part to play in that missional mandate. My part to play is involved as an employee of the church. I'm really involved in that whole equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. But you, for many of you, you're not involved in that particular area. But the area that you are involved in is equally important. And it's equally designed by God. You see, we're not all trying to be ministers in the church we are all in the ministry of the church wherever we are, wherever God has placed you. I just want to encourage you this morning that God has placed you in a unique position, in a unique place. You see, tomorrow morning, you're going to be in a place that I'm not going to be. You're going to be in a place that Dan and Joe aren't going to be. You're going to be in a place that Stuart and Irene won't be tomorrow. That is the place that God has uniquely designed you to be playing your part in his great mission here on earth. I want to encourage you this morning that he has designed you in a wonderful way to fit that hole that he's designed you to be in. For some of you, it'll be a school. For some of you, it'll be the hospital. For some of you, university. For some of you, your family. But God has designed you in this season to have a rhythm of mission, a rhythm of the Great Commission. And he models us, Jesus models it, that we do this together. You see, you're not isolated in that place. You're not isolated in your rhythm of commission. You're designed to do it together. Bring it to your connect group. Pray for one another in your workplace. Pray for one another in your family life. Stand alongside one another and understand that God has designed us to do this together. So how do we apply this? Well, I think uh, these three rhythms are actually only Workable for us when we understand that they work together. I'm going to throw a little diagram up on the um, screen for us today. So the three rhythms start, as Jesus modeled to us, with the knowing rhythm or the communion rhythm. Everything starts in God. So when we understand that and we understand that our starting place is to start in God, to start with him, to start in communion. One of the things that often happens in our life as um, 21st century Christians is we get the model around the wrong way. Often we start from our commissioning place. We go and get busy. We want to get active doing the things that God's called us to do. You know, there is stuff to do. And then we think, oh, crikey, this is hard better get some friends around me. So we build little community groups and we ask people to come together and then we realize it's even harder because we're still burning out. And then we realize actually we go back to God and understand that it all starts in a communion with the Father. So we start from that position. Then we form community around what we've heard God say to us. We formed community within Alive because we've heard God speak and say, this is what I want us to do. We formed community of church. But there's community that you build within the body as well. You know, get into your small groups. Be in those places. And from that place, don't allow that. um, Dams are quite important, aren't they, at the moment? Uh, We're seeing that in the news. Don't allow that to be a kind of a stop point of the flow of the river of God through you. But allow your uh, your output to be a place of mission or commission. Knowing, growing, going. This rhythm of knowing. Growing, going. This rhythm of communion, community, commission. Community, uh, communion, community, commission. I often get it so wrong, but I believe Jesus models to us a wonderful way that if we can understand these three rhythms and we can adopt them into our lives, that actually it all begins to very much make sense. Church, I pray that this week. You'll adopt some of those practices, some of those things into your life. Maybe there's areas that you've been challenged on. Maybe it's the communion rhythm for you. Maybe your rhythm with Father isn't quite in kilter with how Jesus models it to us. Maybe it's community. Maybe you've yet to find yourself in the body of Christ. Maybe you've yet to find yourself in the community. Can I encourage you today, head over to the Connect Um, desk today the connect area and say can I be in a connect group can I get into one of the small groups can I understand the rhythm of community here maybe it's commission maybe you're enjoying life in communion with the father and community together but maybe you've yet to discover where God has placed you your uniqueness for the commission that he has you on Maybe chat with your connect group, maybe chat with the pastors here, maybe Dan and Joe can help you be revealed with that sense of actually where God wants you to be placed. But until we get those three things in rhythm together, I believe we won't fully discover who we are in God and who he has us to be and where he has us to work for him. I pray for you this week, Alive Haikam, that some of these rhythms can be helpful to you as you discover life in Christ. This morning, we want to pray a prayer. We say a prayer here every single week at Alive that is a prayer. It's a gateway prayer, an opportunity for you to discover a relationship with Jesus Christ. For many of us in the room, we've said this prayer at some point in our life. And for maybe there's one or two people here today that have never said a prayer like this, we don't want to miss an opportunity for you to discover that God loves you. And that as you discover him, that you can discover a new rhythm to your life a rhythm of communing with the Father. This prayer gives you an opportunity to start that journey. What I would love us to do, is, I'd love every single one of us to say this prayer together. And at the end of the prayer, I'm gonna ask everyone just to bow your heads And at the end of the prayer, if you've said the prayer for the very first time this morning, I'd love you to raise your hand. That'll just indicate to me that you've made a decision in this place to say, yeah, I'm serious about following Jesus. I don't know all the answers. I haven't got it all together, but I want to start that discovery. And then at the end, uh, one of my friends will come. They'll give you a a book. It'll help you understand this prayer a little bit more and help you go on the journey of becoming a follower of Jesus. So let's say the prayer together. Let's every single one of us say this this morning. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I've lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Why don't we bow our heads? Is there anyone here this morning who said that prayer for the very first time and would love to make a decision to say, I'm serious about following Jesus? Wonderful. There's one person here this morning who's put their hand up. Is there someone else this morning who wants to make a decision to say, I want to follow Jesus? Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Life Hikem, it's been an honor and a privilege to be with you again this morning. You're doing so well. Dan and Joe send their loves, uh, love. They text me this morning and say, make sure the church know that we love them. They're having a great time in Australia. And, um, and they'll be back this time next week. So we'll see them again uh, next Sunday. Uh, Rachel.